The reading is taken from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. For this reason I, Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promised in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and came to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, 
As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, as I said, it's lovely to be back, and Kirsty and I have just got back from a wonderful holiday in Cyprus. The sun shone every day, blue skies, we slept for about 10 hours every night, we read lots of books, we walked for miles in the hills and down the beaches and up in the mountains and, um, and enjoyed some great Cypriot hospitality. Um, on New Year's Eve we went to a, a taverna that we'd visited on our first night there, um, only to discover that it wasn't open for normal business because the owner was having a, a special party for a few of his uh, close sort of friends and regulars. And uh, However, we got invited to join the party. And so we were treated to a great evening um, with the family and their good friends and we enjoyed some fantastic marinated lamb and pork and ribs from the barbecue. And, oh, it was wonderful. So we've come back, rested, refreshed, a few pounds heavier, but never mind. <laughs> And uh, we're really looking forward to the new year um, here at St. Matthew's and all it will bring. And it does make me wonder, after such, really a great 2012, I think, that we've had, what will God do through the church in Southcote in 2013? What will St. Matthew's look like in 12 more months? How will it be different? What new people will he add to our number? In what new ways will the church be serving the community? I'm really excited by questions like these, and I can't wait to find out the answers to them. And perhaps some of those answers we'll begin to dis- d- discuss at our sort of leadership day away at Dowie Abbey next Saturday when the PCC and staff and, um, go away to talk about some of these things. But um, this morning, um, or yesterday as I was reading the, the, the scriptures for this morning, um, I couldn't help but be drawn to the last few verses of Paul's letter to the, Ephesians, to the Ephesians, which we heard read um, this morning. Because in them, and so you might want to turn to that, um, which is on page 1174, it's up on the boards. Um, because in them, he makes one of the most extraordinary claims in the whole of Scripture about God's purpose for the church and in, in, his, in God's grand scheme for the whole of, of his creation. And so perhaps we'll just look at them and see what we can draw out of them. The, um, and in particular, I'm looking at verses 10 to 12. Um, there's so much in them that I, I couldn't go any sort of wider than that. But it's verses 10 to 12 say this. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul says some really important things here. And and to help me, I borrowed, I I read up a little bit from a wonderful commentary on this letter written by the great preacher, um, theologian and evangelist, uh, Jonathan Edwards. And firstly, Paul says here that Christianity, uh, salvation in Jesus Christ, 
is the supreme manifestation of the wisdom of God. He calls it the manifold wisdom of God. Put simply, that when God sent his son Jesus to save us from our sins, that was God's greatest and highest idea. Greater than creating the universe, greater than forming the trillions of galaxies and stars, greater than making the hills of Cyprus or the Mediterranean Sea that we swam in on New Year's Day and all the locals thought we were mad, I think. But, but greater than all of that, the very pinnacle of all God's thoughts and plans and purposes for the entire universe was Jesus Christ. And if we think about it for a moment, it is an amazing idea, the kind of idea that only God could have come up with. Think about it. God creates a world with human beings with whom he wants to have a loving and never-ending relationship. But there's a huge problem, because these humans that he's created and whom he loves, they use the free will that he's given them to make bad choices, really bad choices, sinful choices, every single one of them, no exception. And even though God gave the people of Israel the Ten Commandments and all of the laws in the Old Testament in order to help them live good lives, these chosen people, over hundreds of years, proved that no amount of keeping rules would solve the problem of human sin. So how does a God who is perfectly just and righteous and yet totally loving, how does a God deal with that situation. He can't simply let us off, because if he did, he wouldn't be just, he wouldn't be righteous. It wouldn't be right to let a murderer off without a punishment, would it? And it's the same for any kind of sin. And yet he loves us. So what could he do? His greatest thought was that he would come and take our place. That was his greatest thought. The punishment would be paid. Justice would be carried out. That God himself would pay the price by coming to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and through his death on the cross. Because God is the only person who could forgive us our sins and thereby restore our relationship with him if we will accept his invitation. It's brilliant. In fact, it's way more than brilliant. You and I could never have thought of that in a million years. It is, as Paul describes it, the manifold wisdom of God, the greatest, God's greatest thought. And so that's it. Good news. Problem solved. (laughs) Well, almost, but not quite. Because as Paul says in verse 10, he says that the way that God's manifold wisdom, this incredible plan of salvation, is going to get made known is now through the church. In other words, the church has the extraordinary privilege and huge responsibility of being the thing, the way in which God's highest thought is communicated to the world around us. Paul even suggests that not even the angels knew of God's plan for salvation. He says it's the job of the church to make this known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The angels may have announced the birth of Jesus, but not the cross and the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the role of the church. That's an awesome position to be in, isn't it? The sole carriers of this message. So, if we bring this down to earth a little bit, 
then what this means for us here at St. Matthew's is nothing less than the fact that God's plan to make known his extraordinary love and grace in Jesus to the people of the world is us here. That simple. That's our very purpose for being the church family here at St. Matthew's, to manifest and display and live and communicate the love of God in Jesus to those around us. As Archbishop William Temple famously said, the church is the only organisation in the world which exists for the benefit of its non-members. It's quite a thought, isn't it? It's a really important point that we all need to appreciate. The church isn't supposed to be a club whose purpose is to benefit and satisfy its own members. It's meant to be a living, breathing witness to the glory of God for those who don't know his love. What a privilege, what an awesome thought. And we might easily be frozen into fear or inaction or indecision or just feel overwhelmed at how we could ever live up to the task. But actually, there's no need to. Because God's kingdom comes one conversation by another, one person by another. There isn't some big, complicated, grand scheme. It happens one thing at a time, one human interaction after another. I've already spoken before about seeing this year, 2013, as the year of the invitation. And that in itself is a very powerful way of being church in that sense. I I know people, for example, who have spent Christmas, who would have spent Christmas on their own if it weren't for some of the church families at St. Matthew's who invited people to come and join them on Christmas Day. That's a wonderful demonstration of God's love. It's a simple demonstration. It's a wonderful demonstration of God's love. So let's make it a, a year when every new visitor to St. Matthew's gets invited to Sunday lunch by members of the church. Why not? Well, we might not be able to do it on baptism Sundays when 100 extra for lunch might be a problem. Um, but, uh, but why not? Let's make it a year when we all pray that God will put people in our paths whom we can invite to the coffee shop and lunch stop, to the Alpha course, to church on Sunday, to midweek fellowship groups, whatever it is, let's pray every week that God will put someone in our path who we can invite to come and hear, in one way or another, through word or action, to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's make it a year when we offer lifts to anyone who needs a lift to get to any event or a church function or or a non-church function for that matter. Many times people will turn down an invitation if they think they're going to put you out by needing a lift. I don't want to embarrass the person concerned, but do you know that the person in this church who gives more lifts to anybody else that I know of is the oldest driver in this church? <laughs> so, forgive me for saying that. I won't mention any names at all, but, um, but she's wonderful, and she gives lifts to people all the time, every week, um, week in, week out, and I'm sure she's probably the oldest driver in the church. I want to say here and now that for everything that we do at St. Matthew's in the future, if driving is difficult or not possible for you, then a lift is available from someone. Just, just ask. Don't be afraid to ask. And if you're a car driver, I hereby commission you as a lift giver. That's easy for me to say because I sold my car last month. <laughs> Actually, Kirsty and I now share a car, so we do have one. 
But let's make it, let's make it a year of generosity like never before. Some people will turn down an invitation because they're worried that it's going to cost them some money. Maybe they can't afford it. Offer to pay for them. Tell them you've got a spare ticket and you know, um, you'd like to invite them along. Wh- whatever it is, um, let's not put any barriers in the way. Because we don't want to be people who just tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to be the good news. We want to live it out and be the good news. If we are, as Paul the Apostle says, to make known the manifold wisdom of God, in other words, be living proof of God's love for the world, then our lives must reflect to others the grace that we ourselves have received in what God has done for us through his son, Jesus. A personal invitation is incredibly powerful. You know, when we were in, in, uh, um, in Cyprus, um, um, uh, on that, uh, on that last, on that, sorry, on the New Year's Eve, when we were in Cyprus, um, and we went to that restaurant, and we just thought it would be open as normal, and it, and it wasn't. It was, it was effectively closed, apart from some people. And when they invited us in uh, and said, come and join us, you know, they took a risk, really. You know, we, we might not have been the kind of people we want, they wanted. We might not have fitted in. We, we might have sort of spoilt the party a bit with them and their close friends. And yet... They, they didn't mind. They just said, come in, join us. And that's the kind of invitation that we want to, invitational people we want to be all the time um, in 2013. It's really, really powerful. An invitational church, which never misses the opportunity to say, come and join us, come and see, come and eat, come and f- find friends, come and be part of the family... That's what we want to be. So let's, let's be praying for opportunities to make those invitations. Because as Paul says in verse 12, he says we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And I, I would love it if every Sunday there was a new story of someone who had been extended an invitation to an event or a service or a midweek group or an Alpha course here at St. Matthew's. Because a church which does that is a church which lives out that high calling which Paul the Apostle talks about to make known the love of God in the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of this calling to manifest your greatest idea, the the highest love possible when you sent your son to die for us. Would you shine your light on us and fill us with your spirit so that we would truly reflect your glory and in doing so, bring others into the light of your love. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.